0: Discovering the whereabouts of the land of Eden came by total accident. But then you're totally aware how it goes by now. One thing leads to another and bada bing. Research. It was in adding new padding to the introduction of The Hidden Wilderness. That was a book that I published several months ago. And really, it was only a mere passage of scripture or two that I haphazardly made the discovery. The Lost Continent of Lemuria though it is also referred to as Mu is Eden, or rather it was at one time. You know what I mean? And of course, all you boys out there claiming that the Philippines is its may still be pleased with my conclusions because the Island Hoppers were in the very least looking about in the right neighborhood of the cosmos. That is to say, you guys were so hot as to be burning up. But in the end, simply didn't have the proper map at your disposal the moon tells. Well, there it is, Mu on the moon map, preserved as I imagine it looked on the fourth day of creation. I see India. I see China. I see the Philippines, New Zealand and Australia. Also unmistakable as North and South America. And of course, smack dab in the middle, Lemuria was staring us in the face all along. Once again, the moon map never fails to disappoint. All the people out there claiming the moon is a rock gravitating towards a spinning globe in the vacuum of space must be smoking something. Come to think of it, the Apollo moon landing was quite the trip if you get my drift. A counterculture drug movie really shouldn't surprise anyone as it was the 60s, but I digress. Come to think about it, Lemuria is a rather gimpy title for the mystical lost continent, especially since it was named after lemurs. Yes, lemurs, the old I like to move it, move it, song and dance routine. We are told that zoologist Philip Sclater proposed the idea of a lost continent in 1864 and that he gave it the name so as to explain how lemur fossils could be found in both Madagascar and India, but not in Africa or the Middle East. The problem with Sclater's proposition is that there is no missing continent to be found between East Africa and Asia on the moon map. The only lump of land I'm seeing is east of Asia. The lemurs must have arrived on Madagascar by some other method. The exotic pet trade may have been a lucrative business for all I know. But come on, Sclater's proposal was never really about the lemurs. Remember that time when Australia was announced as a hypothetical continent long before Captain Cook conveniently discovered it? Yeah, Inventing a ghost continent using a single fossilized animal as the patsy only to have the scientists discredit it among the normies is convenient to say the least. Several short years later, in 1870, the Happy Bunny Trail was further paved by Ernst Haeckel. Haeckel was a biologist noted for popularizing Darwin's theory of evolution in Deutschland. Well, he was chosen to suggest that the so-called Lemuria proposal might in fact prove to be the ancestral home of humans. Say what? Do you see what is happening here? I do. Controlled opposition. On one hand, the Darwinists were already getting fidgety, concerned that their missing link might never be found. Who knows what sort of deal they had already made with their Anunnaki overlords. Coming up with a theoretical land of antiquity, however, based apparently upon their imagination rather than an actual historical knowledge, which had been scrubbed from the public, could serve as a scapegoat while also doubling as a clever ploy to fictionalize the greater realm. The next stop for the controller Choo Choo was the large lap of everyone's favorite theosophist nanny, Helena Blavatsky. It's okay, you can say it. Spook. Madame Blavatsky is, of course, accredited with lifting Lemuria beyond the scope of zoo geography, actually the scientific community as a whole, where it was pretty much dead in the water anyways, ensuring its long-lasting popularity among the, well, alternative neighborhood of researchers. She, too, claimed the continent was the homeland of human ancestors, but then couldn't come up with a more original title, as she named its inhabitants Lemurians. Yes, she named the Earth's earliest atomites after lemurs. Lame. In regard to science, the final nail in the coffin was the 60s, when the worldwide scientific community agreed to embrace Alfred Wegener's theory of continental drift, which he had postulated in 1912 for the whereabouts. And of course, continental drift explains the commonality of fossils across the realm, though it is still grossly incorrect. Christian Bible studies just love to point out the days of Peleg and Genesis 10.25 as proof that the earth was divided when in fact the context of the entire chapter pertains to the division of the land among people, not the apocalyptic splitting apart of continents. Wagner also derived from Deutschland. His other accomplishments include meteorology and polar research. While on an expedition in Greenland, Wagner is said to have become the first scientist to use weather balloons to study the polar atmosphere. Oh, is that so? Inventor of the satellite, hmm? And here we all thought science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke came up with the idea. Two more notable contributors to the Lost Continent Hypothesis were Augustus Henry Julien Le Plageon and Alex Dixon. Augustus was a British-American archaeologist and photographer who studied pre-Columbian ruins in America particularly those of the Maya civilization on the northern Yucatan Peninsula. Alice Dixon was the daughter of Henry Dixon, a developer of panchromatic photography in London. The two married in New York in 1873 before heading to Mexico to study Mayan ruins. The purpose of their archeological exploration was to attempt and prove that the Mayans predated the first Egyptian dynasty, as well as forming a link between Maya and the Atlanteans. Somewhere down the turnpike, Le Plungin claimed that he had translated the first copies of Popol Vuh, the secret book of the, if I can pronounce this right, the sacred book of the Kichi, from the ancient Mayan using Spanish, and that it spoke of their origins from the ancient land which had been submerged by a catastrophe. He also claimed the name of the continent was Mu, though even that title may be a mistake, thanks in part to the French Catholic priest Charles Etienne Brazour de Bourbourg, who is claimed to have mistranslated the Toronto Codex in 1864. That is to say, the Mayans spoke of a descendancy from a submerged continent, but its name was not Lemuria, nor was it in all likelihood Mu. The Mu hypothesis was later popularized by James Churchward, the author of several books on the subject. The first was The Lost Continent of Mu, The Motherland of Man in 1926. Two others in his series included the Children of Mu in 1931 and the Sacred Symbols of Mu in 1933. Churchward's map of the Mu continent snubs New Zealand and the Philippines, though it includes the greater swath of Pacific Islands, Hawaii as well as Fiji, reaching as far south into the Pacific as Easter Island. What is particularly interesting about Churchward's part in this is that he claimed Mu was the site of the Garden of Eden. Not only that, the pre-Diluvian inhabitants, which reached something like 64 million in number, were known as the Na'akles, flourishing some 50,000 years before our own. Accordingly, the civilizations of India, Babylon, Persia, Egypt, and the Mayas were all the decayed remnants of Mu's colonies. And now I'm thinking he was onto something. They all were. I mean, where would our controllers be without controlled opposition? His map is off from what the moon has documented for us, but only slightly. Come to think of it, even Lemuria has "mu" in the title, as does Meru. The lemurs of Madagascar were simply a part of the coded message which occultists were passing around in scientific circles for those in the know, in the very least, gaslighting the normies in the process. Amazingly, the moon map confirms everything our controllers knew. No wonder they made such a concentrated effort to land upon it. LOL. They may have even been using men like Lay Planjon to gather evidence on their behalf before discrediting their work. Diagnosing them as a couple of quacks. Understand what I'm suggesting. Lay Plangeons may have been an expert on Masonic imagery, insisting that it originated with the ancients of Mu, but then at the flip of that coin, He and Dixon as well as a handful of others may very well have been legitimate researchers, curious and well-meaning though used as pawns by their employers. Who really knows at this point? Well, getting back to what I had started out saying regarding the additions made to the introduction of the Hidden Wilderness, I think what ought to be done is a repeat of some of that information here. Because I was talking about how many of us have been studying Hebrew cosmology for a great many years now. Good times. I then stated that those of you who have chosen not to be a part of the conversation have a lot of catching up to do. The quick tutorial, if you still need one, is that we inhabit a flat, motionless realm under a solid firmament. Heaven is physically above us, whereas Sheol is below, and there is water, so much water. The Hebrew writers of the Bible certainly believe that to be the case, as did the surrounding nations, and more importantly, Yahuwah testified to it. That being said, I don't know how many times I read the opening chapter to 1st Adam and Ch'uaha that would be Eve. Without seeing it, blink and you'll miss the reference to the hidden wilderness. On the third day, Allahayam planted the garden in the east of the earth, on the border of the world eastward, beyond which, towards the sun rising, one finds nothing but water that encompasses the whole world and reaches to the borders of heaven. The garden was planted in the east of the earth. The scholars are looking to Mesopotamia, but then they aren't looking eastward enough. I'm thinking their bad roadside directions are all by design, which, as you are aware, is intended to shrink the size of our realm into something manageable. The land of Eden is not intended to be found. Others have suggested the whereabouts of India, but still I'm thinking a place like that is far too westward to be the place we're looking for. It says Eden was planted on the border of the world, any further east, and one might find water, water and then more water, after which we come upon the very borders of heaven. Say what? In a past decade, I would have told you that was a reference to the firmament. Well, it is, but it isn't. Our realm is far larger than what even Antarctica will allow for. It's describing the blessed realm and I have other ancient witnesses to prove it. When the earth was young and the race of man still as children, there was fertile green pastures in the lands where all is now sand and barren wasteland. In the midst of it was a garden land, which lay against the edge of the earth, eastward towards the sun rising, and it was called Merua, meaning the place of the garden on the plain. It lay at the foot of a mountain, which was cleft at its rising, and out of it flowed the river Tardana, which watered the plain. From the mountain, on the other side, ran the river Kal, which watered the plain through the land of Keldon. The river Nera flowed westward and then turned back to flow around the garden land. Book of Creation 5.5 Book of Creation is an ancient Egyptian text, perhaps as old as the Hebrew Exodus, and included as the first of many books in the Colbrin it's not exactly rocket science to conclude that Gardenland is the same as Eden, with a description that reads almost exactly as what we've already discovered in Adam and Ua. Eden, or rather Gardenland, lay against the edge of the earth, eastward towards the sun rising. But then the writer also claims the land is now a barren wasteland. Hmm. Mesopotamia then, is it? Perhaps. I wasn't there and am certainly not opposed to the idea. It's just that we are tossed to savory breadcrumb. Gardenland went by yet another title, Merua. It's the lemur all over again. The writer is directing our attention to the feigned Meru. I'm showing you a number of locations, two of which are named after the mystical mountain. Neither of which likely holds the correct coordinates. Angkor Wat in Cambodia, with its five pineal gland towers, is supposedly fashioned after Meru. And of course, Asia is replete with pagoda-like Meru towers. Well, the first proposed location could be found in India, the second Tanzania. I am only showing you the second because there is always that one person in the room who demands Africa was the cradle of the world and that Maru was it. Then again, the original name for Africa was Alkibulan, meaning either Mother of Mankind or Garden of Eden. So there you go. Also worth noting is that the two mountains work as magnetic poles to Philip Schlatter's lemur theory. So there's that. Mother of mankind it may prove to be. My main concern with Africa, or rather Alkibulan, being the location of the garden is that it is by no indication the land furthest to the east. No, I'm thinking Meru was located upon the lost continent of Mu, aka Lemuria, though its true name is finally revealed. It was the land of Eden. It fits with the description given to us in 1st Adam and Chaua as well as Book of Creation, but then in yov or Jubilees, we are given some provocative information. And Yahuwaha allah Hayam planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed, Bereshith or Genesis 2.8. That's not Jubilees and not what I wanted you to see, obviously. I was simply laying out a case. Should it not have occurred to someone that Eden was a land? which the garden was planted in. Well, here it is. And we conducted him into the garden of Eden in majesty and honor. And behold, there he writes down the condemnation and judgment of the world, and all the wickedness of the children of men. And on account of it, Elohim brought the waters of the flood upon all the land of Eden. For there he was set as a sign, and that he should testify against all the children of men, that he should recount all the deeds of the generations until the day of condemnation, Jubilees 4:23-24. The intended target of the deluge was the land of Eden. It's the story of Lemuri and Mu, both obvious counterparts. The cradle of Adamic humanity became so degenerate a society that it was eventually wiped out. That tells us everything we need to know. Though up until now, I've never stopped to ponder the potential implications. The opening chapters of Bereshith takes place on a sunken continent.